Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. So, yes, last week we started a series called This Is Us. And really what we're talking about is that this is us, right? This is, this is our, this is what it means to belong to Christ. This is what it means to have a relationship with Christ. Uh, this is what it means to be in his family. And how is that lived out? What's that going to look like in our lives? What is, should that look like in our church? And not just our local church, but the church as it expresses itself all over the world. And we said we're just going to look at a couple of these nuances and a couple of these details that we find in Scripture. And so we started again last week. We started with we belong to Christ. Everything starts there. Every single thing about who we are as Christians, Christ ones, Christ followers, begins with the fact that we belong to Christ. It doesn't begin to the fact that you receive some sort of eternal passport and boom, your, your passport got stamped and now you got a, a one-way ticket into heaven. That's not what it is. That's not what it is. That's not what Jesus Christ died on our behalf for. That is not why God literally stepped into the flesh to live among us, that we could all have some sort of passport into heaven. The idea is, is that we would belong to Christ. We would become his sons and daughters. We would live in community with one another as brothers and sisters. That our lives would be abandoned from the things we know to becoming that which he wants us to become and what it looks like to be his sons and daughters. We started in Romans 8, and, uh, and then by the time I read a few of these verses, we're going to make our way to Romans 12 if you're moving around in your Bible. So in Romans 8, verses 1 through 4, it says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Jesus took care of the whole thing, right? Being God, being deity, he stepped into flesh and then came to live among us. He gave us flesh sacrifice for what we needed to cover us in righteousness. Now he literally stands before us at the judgment seat. And all the Father sees is the righteousness of Christ because of what he did. And we unpacked that for a good length of time last week. And, and, and then he says, but it's not just enough that I, I, I saved you. It's not just enough that you stand righteousness, but you now belong to me. I'm literally going to live in you and you in me. And we talked about how in the Spirit and in Christ is synonymous. And so as the Spirit enters our life, we live in Christ and Christ is in us. We belong to him. Literally, he is, we are his possession. And in, by meaning possession, meaning that we are his sons and daughters. And it's an exciting adventure. It's not meant to be a one-time deal. And it's meant that we would live truly as his children. We pick up in verse 14 through 17 in chapter 8. And it says, for those who are led by the Spirit. Remember, he gives us the Spirit upon our belief. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. 
The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, which means Daddy God. The spirit himself testifies that our spirit, that <clears throat> testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Co-heirs. That doesn't mean we're one just of many, right? It means literally we become co-heirs of Christ. It means literally we stand on the same plane and the same ground and in the same relationship in the Father as Jesus Christ does. It doesn't mean we become deity ourselves, but what it does mean is that we stand on the same plane. We stand in the same relationship with the Father as Jesus Christ does. That's an intimate relationship. That is a close relationship. And by being heirs, we receive the kingdom blessings that Jesus Christ himself receives. We receive kingdom to be able to live in the kingdom with all eternity and closeness with Jesus, with, with the Father. But it means we receive through the Spirit and his indwelling, we receive the knowledge and the understanding of what it means to be a son or daughter of the king right now today. Right now here. This isn't something just for the future. It's not something that just happens. We're not waiting for death as maybe an error would wait for. We get to live right now. Jesus Christ is alive and so are we in him. And we get to live right now as heirs and recipients of all of God's goodness, of all of his grace, of all of his love, of all of his instruction, of his pleasing and good will is bestowed upon us. That is one incredible life that we get to live. But we also talked about that packed in there in, in Romans 8 was the fact that the flesh is at war with the spirit. Our old nature desires to pull us back into that selfish state, doesn't desire for us to live as sons and daughters of the king, but instead wants us to live for ourselves, that we are the great king and Lord of our own lives. And so there's this flesh that's constantly battling us for that place of authority and that place of lordship in our lives. And we said that that part of scripture that we, that we looked at in Romans 8 said that we must put to death over and over again the selfish, sinful flesh. That we are going to eradicate it from our lives, all of that selfishness and disobedience to the Lord. But that was going to be a moment-by-moment -moment process, a day-by-day, -day, a failure, a success. We were always wrapped up in a perfect, harmonious relationship with God. And yet, we will at times turn away, and the Lord draws us close to Him. And we're in this constant battle of tugging and pulling. And the Father is with us through the Spirit, always teaching us, always showing us, always ever-present, giving us the help we need to live as the sons and daughters that He saved us to be. It's a beautiful relationship we have. Listen to what he says now in Romans 12. So he talked about all of this in Romans 8, and he continued on after that. And then we get to Romans 12, and there's this incredible transitional word, therefore. And it says this in verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, still using that family language, still using that adopted child language, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, 
Remember the sacrifice that was given, the spirit that is within us, the, the flesh that was given on our behalf to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Remember I said that as we looked at Romans 8, that it was going to be too much for us to study. It'd be too much for us to look at it just one day. We just did a, 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 a kind of a once over those 17 verses. We're hoping that in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a Bible study ready for you to go that you can dive deeper into Romans 8 because it unpacks so much that leads us to this point of, right, we're always supposed to be getting rid of our flesh is what it talked about. We're always supposed to be turning our attention towards the Lord, learning and growing. And he says, because of the mercy of God drawing you closer through Jesus Christ, he says this. He gives us the blueprint of how this is happening. The first thing he says, of course you're going to want to worship the Lord that brought you from death to life. Of course you're going to want to, to worship and give glory and give honor to the one who loved you and, and gave you grace and mercy. Of course you're going to want to do that. And he says, but let me tell you this. Your true and pleasing worship is to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice means daily. It means over and over and over and over again. As awesome as it is to come together, and we're going to talk for a minute about how important it is for us to come together. As awesome as it is for us to have an amazing band and incredible worship songs that we call that time worship. And so we even raise our hands and we close our eyes, which are expressions we see in Scripture that are amazing expressions of worship. That in and of itself, that act is not our true and pleasing worship. It's good, but it's not our true and pleasing worship. Us getting together and going through the word of God together and learning and growing in that is amazing and it's a form of worship for sure. But that in and of itself is not true and pleasing worship. That is what the Father's looking from us, for us from us. What he's looking for us is the sacrifice, the living sacrifice of our lives, the denying of what was to receive what is and will be, to receive this relationship and this overwhelming presence that he wants to have in our lives in the direction and that he wants to be Lord. What is the best and right way for us to worship the Lord Most High is to surrender our lives to him every single day and moment. You are Lord and I am not. I'm cutting that part of my flesh out. You are Lord and I am not. And then he says this. He says, <clears throat> do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if you're underlining a circle or anything, that's it right there. By the renewing of your mind. We're going to have to come up with a new way of thinking. We're going to have to have a fresh new understanding. We're going to have to have a thinking that is not in pattern to the world, but is instead in pattern and is in lockstep with the Lord Most High, our God, with the Father, who seeks to teach us through the Spirit how to live as his sons and daughters. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, in having this new way of thinking, we need to grow. 
We need to grow up in this new way of thinking. So how's that going to happen? We talked about it a little bit last week, and we're going to talk about it more this week. But it's where we surrender the moments of our day, the time of our day, and we dive in to his word. Now, we do that sometimes by gathering together. And so that's incredible. We should. We should gather together at least once a week, if not more often. We should listen to teaching of the word. We should worship together. There's the, the word is in those songs that we sing. We should encourage one another by being in the same place, worshiping the same God. There's no doubt about that. And if you miss that encouraging teaching, then uh, for us who worship here, go online and go to one of the podcasts and keep up with the teaching. Keep up with that encouragement. Keep up with that growing. Keep up with the idea that we're going to change our thinking and replace it. But it's not just with that. There's amazing pastors all over the place, amazing Bible teachers everywhere. And with technology being what it is, it is so easy to grab amazing teaching and to grow from that teaching. So now you're going to take maybe just a little bit extra time. It's not going to be just 30 minutes on a Sunday morning. Now we're going to spend a little extra time. And I want to give you the name of four different pastor teachers that might be a great encouragement to you. They're going to be up on the screen, and what I want you to do is I want you to go look up their websites. I want you to start downloading their sermons. I want you to go, and on some of these websites, I try to pick ones that they have transcripts of their sermons. They have other devotional material. They have other Bible studies that you can grab because we can continue to learn and grow a new way of thinking. I pick these pastors because they take time and do more than just encourage. They teach the Word of God that you would grow in a new way of thinking. The very first one is John Piper and his ministry is called Desiring God. You go on that site and it is loaded and it is packed and it is full of amazing opportunities to grow in your knowledge of the scriptures and the right way of thinking according to the Father. It's so loaded and you will be blessed by his ministry. Matt Chandler is the pastor of the Village Church in Texas. His teaching is phenomenal. He is an incredible teacher of the word He's a, a student of the word, and he is uh, fascinating as a teacher in the way he helps you to grow. And suddenly you're listening to what quickly becomes a, a 45 message and minute message. You're like, oh, man, I thought that was only like five minutes. And then you, you go on and back on his site, and you download the transcript, and you just go back over it again and dig stuff out and tie stuff all together, and it's pretty phenomenal. Then you have John MacArthur's ministry, which has been around for decades. He's been training people how to teach the Word of God literally for decades. He started Master's Bible College and Master's Seminary. And so on his site, you have professors that that load up their teachings. You have uh, amazing opportunities for, uh, he's he's written uh, numerous books and excerpts from his books are there. His books are actually there. It is a tool that never stops giving grace to you by John MacArthur. And then finally, this is a newer one, somewhat newer, Greg, Craig Rochelle, and he is the pastor of Life Church, which is now having, a, they have campuses literally all over the country now. And uh, he's a little bit newer of a teacher, if you will, compared to some of the other ones I just mentioned. He's a great teacher. He's somewhere in between in terms of his depth of, uh, he's somewhere in between kind of at the beginning stages. He definitely gets deeper and he gets, he's a great communicator and he's a lover of the word. And you'll find some tremendous messages there to to get you going and and get you going a little bit further. We have things right here in our own church that we want you to be able to utilize, like the 365 plans. 
that'll help you work your way through all of Scripture in the course of a year or in several weeks or, you know, a a book of the Bible in 21 days or different things like that. We want you to be in the Word every single day so that your thinking can be transformed and you can start to understand what the Word of God says. We have things like our habits class that literally are not man-made disciplines or man-made thoughts. Our habits class come from Scripture where the Lord says, this is good and beneficial for you to do. This is what you need to do to know me further. You put these things in your life and we're going to walk in greater intimacy together. You belong to me. Now grow up in me. And we teach you what some of those habits are and how to use the word of God and how to spend more time in prayer and, and fasting and in service and in loving one another. We walk through those things. And then our foundations class that walks through the Bible and how it was put together and some of the outside uh, controversies that may exist about it. And we answer those questions and then we walk through it. And again, how to use it? What does it say? What, was this, what is the intent of scripture? And we walk through that. Then we walk through the character of the of the Father and the character of the Son and the character of the Holy Spirit. And we walk through all that and we help you to understand more of who they are. We help you to understand the character because you are the son and daughter of the living God and his character is supposed to be rubbing off on us. We are literally supposed to be taking on the character of God. That's that transformational thinking. So we are starting to offer classes and more and more will be coming on board that will help you to understand the character of God, know the character of God, and begin to put the character of God on. Listen, I wanted nothing more than for my boys to learn my character. And I wanted them to learn their mother's character. And so we worked really hard to give them our character, the knowledge of who we are and what was right and what was good and what was beneficial and what was not. And every once in a while, somebody would walk up to us and go, man, he sounds just like you. And I'm like, yes. There was a couple times I didn't really say yes. I was like, oops, I missed that one. Right. But overall, I wanted them to learn all those good things from from my life and my wife's life. Why? Because we were trying to demonstrate the character of God to them because we wanted them to be wrapped up in that character. Every once in a while, somebody would walk up to us and go, man, that sounds just like Bob because we asked Bob to pour into their lives and teach them the character of God. And then Doug, uh, Doug Hodges, who's one of our pastors here, when my boys were eight and 10, we introduced them to Doug. And, and I said, man, here's what I need, Doug. I need a young man. I need a, I need a young adult to start walking with my boys and teaching them to follow Jesus and the character of God. And he started pouring into their lives. And every once in a while, somebody goes, man, he sounds just like Doug. And I'm like, oh, another home run. Love it. Why? Because I wanted God's character to rub off on them and for them to be absolutely engulfed by the character of God because they weren't sounding like Doug or Bob or Tim or Chris. In those moments, they were sounding just like Jesus. So shouldn't we study the character of God so that we can be wrapped up in that? And then finally, life groups. We need to get into life groups. And, and, and some people are going to say right now, life groups. Yeah, life groups. It's where we get together in smaller groups and we share with one another. We, we help one another learn the character of God. We help one another learn how to have this transforming thinking. Transform thinking. We help one another learn how to worship in truth that is pleasing to God. That is how to surrender our lives. One another. One brother teaching another brother, one sister, teaching another sister. One couple, brother and sister, teaching another couple, brother and sister. 
one family teaching another family how it is that we walk according to the character of God and how that character changes our life. And now right now, some of you are going, man, small groups, I don't have time for that. That's just crazy. Somebody's going to get into my junk. I'm going to have to get into somebody else's junk. Look, I don't have time for anybody else's problems. I got my own problems, and there are plenty, trust me. Right? I got, I'm busy. You know, I sit in traffic for an hour and a half. The last thing I have is time to be in a life group. Right? I don't have time for that. I get it. I get it. I, I, I understand that. I get it. I do. But Paul continues after verse 2. And we're still talking about what is this, what are we to be after receiving this incredible blessing of the Lord taking away the condemnation and making us his sons and daughters. And he says there has to be a transformation of the thinking and that we learn to live and think and to act like sons and daughters of the Lord. It means that we're going to have a, a different priority. And here's where he goes in verse 3, which is really kind of, if, if, if the beginning, therefore, we talked about that phrase in verse 1, if that was kind of the pivot of all of Romans, then right here, starting in verse 3, is the pivot of Romans 12. And here's where it goes. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself in sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. Oh, now your flesh is screaming out against this. My flesh screams. I am the most important one. I am the priority. I, me, Tim, I am the most important one in the room. My schedule is the most important schedule. My, my, the things I have to accomplish in this life and today are the most important things. That's what my flesh cries out for, and that's what your flesh cries out for, for us to be number one, for to be the priority. Yeah, 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 I know I need to be nice to people. I got to help out once in a while. I'll write a check or swipe a card once in a while. I know, I know, hell, I'll even show up to help somebody pack up a truck and move if, it's, if necessary. I got it, I know. But, but man, I, I don't, don't get in the way of the priorities of my life that I have set, that I have determined. The Lord's saying there's a new way of thinking. We're going to sacrifice, we're going to surrender ourselves to his way of thinking that we would know his good and pleasing will that that would become the will of each and every day, each and every minute of our life, his will would become our will. And that we're going to have to challenge one another and think about one another. And we're going to have to consider, here's where it just gets cut out, right? The flesh just gets slaughtered right here. And we're going to have to consider others greater than ourselves. We're going to have to consider others more highly, the things that they need more highly than even what we need. We're going to have to seek to be a benefit to others even more than we seek to be a benefit to ourselves. That's a tough one. You see, because here's the thing. If we belong to Christ, then we belong to one another. And if we belong to one another, then we belong together. Two words that Scripture uses over and over again. We belong to one another and we belong together. Because we can't belong to one another and be used in one another's lives if we're not together. And so we must find a way to come together more often. We must find a way to be together more often. And then he continues in verses 4 and 5 and he says this, For just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. 
right? We've talked about this multiple times. We've heard it before in church, right? If my hand's going crazy, my arm's off doing its own thing, that would never, there's not much benefit there. It doesn't really benefit my body if as I'm walking, trying to shake your hand, and I'm like, hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. It doesn't, it doesn't, on one hand, I'm giving a a loaf of bread, and with the other hand, I'm I'm punching somebody. I'm not benefiting, my body isn't really benefiting that much, and he's using the exact same analogy in the body of Christ. He's saying we need one another. The body of Christ fits together, that the Lord God himself planned it that way that he made each one of us unique. And in entering the Spirit into our lives, that we would live with the Spirit and the Spirit within us, he gives us gifts to use in one another's lives. And he begins to unpack those gifts. And he says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is to give, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. The body needs each other because we are meant to fit together and pour into one another's lives. We cannot grow into this body of Christ, into this new way of thinking without one another pouring into each other's lives explaining scripture to one another, teaching one another, serving one another, encouraging one another. Isn't it fascinating that as he talks about this change of thought, as he talks about our true worship, which would be the surrender of our life to the pleasing will of God, right? As he talks about us needing to grow in our thinking, a new way of thinking, that he says this. He says, here's the gifts you've been given. And this part of the list of gifts have everything to do with teaching and serving. These are teaching and serving gifts. These are teaching and serving gifts. He goes, I want you to know that you're going to live together and benefit one another. And you're going to teach one another and you're going to serve one another. You're going to teach one another and you're going to serve one another. You're going to teach one another and you're going to serve one another. Church, that's what we're called to do. We're called to belong to one another. That means I have authority in your life. And you have authority in my life. That means, that means when I see Farron and Farron asks me, Hey, brother, how you doing? I better tell him the truth. And when he says, hey, I saw you the other day. You were getting out of line at that store. You were acting like a buffoon. The flesh was screaming loud. It's not the way you're supposed to act, brother. You're a child of the living God. Or, or it means that, that this week when I was able to text a few families and, and a few dads as they were dropping their sons and daughters off at college or about to, I was able to go, hey, I was there, man. I know that's a difficult time. I, I was there dropping off my kids. I know that's brutal. I know that we got these little boogers and boogats that we've just raised up and, and we're really excited about them. And, and now all we do is we take them out to this crazy world and we're like, oh, okay, here you go. Uh, don't ruin them, okay? And we know how scary it gets and we know how, how hard it is to, to let go. I didn't encourage them. Hey, you know, glad they got into school. Tell them to do good. Get that degree, baby. That was not my encouragement whatsoever. Say, hey, remind them who they are in Christ. Remind them of their identity. Don't, don't 
leave school without letting them know that the Lord is with them and will walk with them and will be their constant guide and their counsel. The, the Lord has enough strength through the spirit that dwells within them to help them to handle everything that comes their way through his strength. Oh, don't, don't, don't forget to tell them that. And then I want you to do something else. And to, to one dad, I said, hey, you got to let her know that she's there and has this platform that God has her there, that yeah, she'll receive a degree. That'll be good. Hip, hip, hooray. But she's there because God has this platform and that platform now has become bigger than it ever could have been in Loudoun County. That platform will now have her interact with people from all walks of life. And that platform exists that she would declare her great love for Jesus Christ. And she will help others. She will have influence in other people's lives. Help her to know that's why she's there. And how do I know that? Well, I know that because I went through it. I know that because I had to drop my boys off at school. I know that because I sat on the Max, which is some light rail thing that runs through Portland, after dropping my son off at school, and I'm heading to the airport, and I'm literally blubbering like a baby. He's like, oh, my son, I just dropped him off at the front door to hell. Oh, my goodness. And I'm just going on and on and on, and I'm like, people are looking at me like, don't call the police. I'm okay. I'll be all right in a second. I'll be right. And I'm just going on and on. That's my son. I mean, it's crazy. I don't want him to be anywhere else but where he's at because I know that we've prayed for him. We've equipped him. We've, we've, we've raised him up. I know that he was going to go through a tremendous amount of struggles. I know he was going to battle the flesh. I knew he was going to do all that, but I knew he was going to have a platform. And I knew that he was going to be a man of influence. I knew the same thing for my older son, and I knew he was going to have a platform and be a man of influence. And I just wanted them to be there, do that. And my job was to walk behind them, encourage them. And I made sure that I reminded them, hey, you better get with the body of Christ, and you don't get to be separate. There's no such thing as a, a private relationship with Jesus Christ. It is a personal one, but it's never private. It has to be lived in the midst of the body. You better jump into church somewhere, young man. You better get there because that's what it's, you're called to do. You get with the body, and you serve the body, and you serve everybody else, and you give your life on behalf of them and watch what God does with your life because it'll be nothing short of miraculous. If anybody got it right, it had to be the church that originated just a few, few days, if you will, a few weeks after Jesus ascended. And we find that in Acts 2, 41 through 47. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized. Isn't that amazing? That was Peter giving one of the first messages that we're ever giving. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And the reason why I say isn't that amazing? Because when you're baptized, you identify with what Christ did for you, but you also identify that I'm now in the body of Jesus Christ. You identify that I have sons and daughters and I'm the family of the king. These are my family. You identify with them through baptism. If you haven't been baptized, I want to challenge you. Don't let another day go by. Get baptized. Identify with Jesus Christ and what he did for you. And then tell the world that you're a part of the family of God and of Jesus Christ. Because you belong to him and belong to one another and you will be together. And it says they were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
And so we could sit there and go, yeah, well, you know, that was a a bunch of years ago, and they weren't really as busy as we were today. Are you kidding me? They had mandatory six-day work days, right? They worked six days. They worked sun up to sundown six days, and then they took a day of rest. They were busy. They were busy people. They had a tremendous amount to do in each and every day, just like we have a tremendous amount to do in every day. And what did they do? They met in the temple courts for teaching. They met in one another's homes just once a week every day. They met in one of those homes. They broke bread together. They fellowshiped together. They encouraged one another. They taught one another from the word and from their understanding of what was happening and from their experiences. It says they were in awe of what was happening and the the, the miracles that the apostles were doing. It means they were coming together and they were sharing the stories of what God was doing in their midst. Why do we get into a life group? Because we share the stories of what God's doing in our midst. Because we teach one another. Because we challenge one another because we open the word of God up to one another, because we are called to do it. If any church got it right, wouldn't it have been the one that was just after Jesus? And why should the church 2,000 years later be different? Shouldn't we belong to one another? And shouldn't we be together, teaching one another, encouraging one another, Challenging one another, opening our lives up, sharing the hard things, the easy things, the different stages of life, helping one another to walk as a son or daughter of the living God. Shouldn't that be who we are? Men's ministry kicks off on September 28th. We're going to have a breakfast. It's going to be great. We're inviting this pastor and professor from a college in Southern California to come out and just really challenge the men. It's going to be incredible. (laughs) We don't need another breakfast. What we need to do is find a way to be in one of those lives. And so we're going to gather as a breakfast and we're going to give the challenge, get involved in one another's lives. Women's ministry is going to have another great gathering of the generations and, and get together and worship and have a great message. They don't need another night. What they need is that night to be challenged, to go dive into one another's lives and to pour into one another. That's why we have the things we have at church. Our high schoolers are going to be challenged to get into a small group, and that small group's going to meet once a week. They're going to be challenged to be with one another, be together, belong to one another. Our children right now, this very moment, are in a small group where they're sharing a little bit of life and stories about what happened this week, praying for school to start next week, going through a different season of life. Have to be involved in one of those lives. Before our services started, we got together and we prayed the leadership of the service and services and the church and everything like that. We get together every Sunday. You're always welcome, 10 after 8, be here. It's fun. We pray together. I just told everybody, please pray for our congregation. Please pray for our church. This is an incredibly difficult message. It's not a difficult one to teach. Matter of fact, pastors all over the country will teach almost this exact message. And we'll teach it a couple times a year because it's that important. If we belong to Christ, we have to belong together. If we belong to one another, then we need to be together. And we'll teach it. Different versions of it, we'll teach it. It's not a hard one to teach. It's a hard one for our congregations to hear. Because it stands directly in opposition to our flesh. 
it stands in direct opposition to most of what we run after, including myself. I have a lot to do in the course of a day, and I don't really have enough time to be in my own small group. Now, I got enough time to go lead something, but just to be in my own small group? Come on, I'm a busy guy. The Lord calls us to belong to one another and to be together. We don't get to deny that. When you're absent from the body, the body suffers. The body suffers. So you, follower of Jesus Christ, what does it mean to be one of us? It means that you belong to Jesus himself and that you belong to one another and we must be together. We have to find that time to make that time and to pour into one another's lives. It has to become a priority for us. I won't stand up here and tell you how to do it. I'm just telling you as a church, one church in this area, we're going to give you opportunities to do it. Sit with the Lord and become obedient to belonging to one another and being together. Okay? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your great mercies. Thank you for your incredible love. Thank you that you didn't mean for us to be anything else except for together. That because you brought us into this amazing relationship with you, you helped us to belong to one another, and you gave us each other to be with one another. You never intended for us to be alone, but to be together with our brothers and sisters. And so, Father, we thank you. Thank you for the great people that are here. Thank you for the amazing church. Thank you for the churches all over this county who are worshiping you today. And Father, we are one with them and one with the rest of the churches around the world that proclaim your great name. Help us to belong to one another and to be together. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.